This is episode 26 of The Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I have with Andy McNeely, the author of Connecting With Your Kids. He's going to give us some real practical advice. But first, if you're a new listener, welcome. I'm so glad you're joining us. Feel free to subscribe because then you won't miss any of the family-oriented information that we have here. We have lots of great episodes coming up, but as you're listening to this one, feel free to share it. If you want to share it on your Facebook page or with others in your email, I give you full permission. We want to get things out there when we know that it will help other people. And don't forget to scroll down and check out the show notes on this episode because I'm going to leave some wonderful links so you can join the Focused Mindset community so you can get some free downloads and you can have the confidence you need moving into this next season. But we have a lot to cover, so let's get started. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have Andy McNeely and I'm so excited to have you here. He is coming to us all the way from Australia and uh, I I don't want to wait another minute to introduce you here. How are you doing, Andy? Hey, I'm great, and it's great to be in California with you. Here we are on the other side of the world, but we're together. This is brilliant. It is, and I was so excited because I was able to meet you, and we both talked at the Solution Focus Schools conference recently, and right away, I knew that we had a lot of things in common because we both care about the connections with kids, um, but before we get into that, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, uh, well, personally, I love bike riding, baking bread, um, and sort of getting outdoors, love camping. That's what I love to do with my family. Uh, and I live in a place in Australia, south of Melbourne, about an hour and a half out of Melbourne and about 20 minutes out of Geelong. Some of you may have heard of uh, the Great Ocean Road. It's a fantastic road running along the coast. So I'm surrounded by coast and surf and golf clubs and outdoors and rivers. That's sort of me. We live in a, just a beautiful place of uh, Victoria. So that's my personal life and uh, I've got a family I'm married to Sandy, who's a librarian at the local library, and three kids, Daisy, Finn and Monty, who are now teenagers. And people talk about teenagers and terror and all that stuff. Oh, I love it. It's such a great, great time to be with, with kids. Teenagers are fantastic. They are fun, aren't they? But great sometimes fun. they're just gro- they're just in in bigger bodies, you know, they're just kids yep. in bigger bodies sometimes, you know. <sighs> yep. And sometimes they grunt and you just don't get the response you think you would you should get as a parent, but that's just how they are sometimes. And you just got to live with it. It's that's great. right. Yeah. So recently you wrote a book. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, your book? Okay. So uh, a few years ago, I just noticed that in schools as teachers, we were doing a great job of teaching all the academic stuff, the reading, the writing, the maths, the spelling, all that sort of stuff. We're doing a great job. And with everything that's going on, I noticed that we weren't doing such a great job of teaching the social emotional stuff, the executive skills, you know, gratitude, empathy, mindfulness, uh, reading body language, organization, all those sort of skills that we just sort of take for granted. And I also noticed that there's a lot of, with our youth, there's a lot of stress and anxiety and there's worry. Kids are becoming more worried these days. It's just, it's alarming for me. So I thought, what can I do to help? What can I contribute? So I started running workshops and I wrote a book about connecting. So about stopping the busyness of life and spending time together. And during this connection, the, it's about helping these kids develop these skills. So by playing a game or doing an activity to become more resilient or to become more aware of reading body language or including people with different abilities or gratitude, some simple fun things to do. So 
in doing these fun activities as a family, we would be more connected. And the idea of the connection is so important for me is if your kid, which is fairly likely given the statistics, may have some sort of anxiety or stress or worry, that they'll come to you first. They won't hide in their room. They won't get online. You just, those things, those horror stories when parents say, I never knew. You, I just don't want to, I just, you don't want to be that, that person. You want to be connected. So you just do whatever you can to know what's going on in your kids' minds. And you won't know everything. But if you're having fun together, hopefully they're more likely to come to you. Yeah, and that's such a good point because sometimes we get so busy with the things that we need to do and the important things that are on our plate, and they do need to get done, no doubt about it. But we forget that those connecting moments take some planning on our part as adults, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely they do. And, you know, you hear stories of that old person on their, their dying bed and say, what, what, what would you change? And, you know, people say, well... You know, you don't, you rarely hear people say, oh, I wish I worked harder. I wish I did more tasks. You know, the thing I think people might say is more like, oh, I should have spent more time with my family or my kids, you know. So it's about making that change now. It's true. And knowing that you have teenagers, I mean, they grow up fast. There's no doubt about it, you know, before you you turn around. My daughter's just about 18. She's about to start driving. She's about to start university. It's like, she's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Where'd that happen? I just sort of blink. The kids grow up fast with the internet, even faster than our blink of the eye. They're aware of a lot of things and it's very easy for them to get those answers by simply going to the internet or going to somebody else besides you. Um, I'm really interested in finding out some of the things that you uh, teach about that helps parents be proactive about this? The first thing for me is that modeling. So I know for me, a few years ago, I was just hooked on getting that job done, having my laptop open, having my phone in my hand and checking off that list. And I was just so connected that to my devices that I was losing connection in the family. So for me, I had to model that. I can't say to my kids, hey, stop smoking and I'm smoking a cigarette. How does that work? I can't say to my kids, wear a bike helmet and I'm not wearing one. So I had to model that. I had to model what I wanted my kids to do with their, with their devices. So my modeling is putting it away, closing my laptop. I'm not saying I don't use it. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but my aim is to use it less. So I started to look at different apps, how I could monitor it. First time I monitored how much I was using my phone during the week, I nearly fell over. It was such a shock. Here I'm saying I don't use it very often, but you know, a minute here, five minutes there, three minutes there, it's like, whoa, I just stopped that. So I started to make some changes. And that's one of the things I talk about in some of the workshops is modeling it, but how do you make those changes? Just to think about something small, a small change to make. And that's really important that it's not something to be overwhelmed about or beat yourself up about. If you see that there's something that needs to be tweaked a little bit and something that needs to be changed, then you just make a plan and change it, right? It's not about making a massive change. You know, to make a massive change, sometimes if you aim to make a massive change, nothing will happen. If you make just a tiny change, something small, it might start the journey for another change. Mm -hmm. So when I run workshops, the invitation is to make something small, a small change. What would you do that you think you could do better? Or what could you do a bit less of? that might make an impact with your family. Those bite-sized chunks will help that pivot happen. Many children, they just want to know that their kid, that their parents listen to them and that they understand. You know, as a school counselor, I hear that more often. And even in the field of education in general, how many times have I heard they don't understand me? We want them, we want to understand our kids, but more than we want them to feel understood. What advice would you give to parents that are struggling with that? Yeah, so that, the, to say I'm here for you and to listen is like, yeah, maybe the kids go, yeah, I don't know. For me, the advice is to sort of stop and do something with your kids that they want to do. It might be playing a game. It might be they might like bike riding, so go for a bike ride with them. They might like playing a game on the internet. You think, maybe I should just learn how to play it. Get your kid to teach you. You know, you might think this is just nuts, this game. I'm not interested. But once you start playing and you're with your kid, they'll love you for it. It doesn't have to be much. A card game, 
drawing with them when they're younger or something, just sitting down and stopping what you're doing and saying, hey, yeah, you want to do that? Let's do it. Yeah. Just something. Yeah. And then converse, natural conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me of a time, uh, well, my son, Finn, he started to play tennis. Now, he loves tennis. He's, um, he plays tennis every day. He's been a ball kid at the Australian Open a couple of times. He just can't get enough tennis. So when he started playing at a higher standard of tennis, he, it required us to drive him more places around to further distances. I, mean, I don't want to spend my weekend driving in a car. That's not what I want to do. I actually became to realise that this was an opportunity to sit there in the car next to my son, Finn, and just be there with him. And sometimes we wouldn't say anything. Sometimes the radio's on. But sometimes he'd just open up. we just start chatting about anything. It didn't matter what it was, but I was just being with, with him. You know, I'm really mindful too to say, hey, I'm in the car driving you, so please don't use your phone, you know, messaging or going on Snapchat or whatever. That's sort of a, a deal we've got. So the deal is he can't do that then, which is, he said, that's fine because I'm doing him a favour, asking him to do me a favour. And the conversations that come from that are great. And you're kind of trapped in that little space. And it, after a minute, they begin to feel more comfortable. And then they say things and you're like, wow, I did not know that they looked at things that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and in the car too, it's, it's, uh, you're not actually making direct contact with them. So they're not like, oh, I need to say this or that. You're, you're looking straight ahead. They're looking next to you straight ahead. That's a and good it's, point. It's a different space. So they can just look out the window, and, but it's not that pressure of, saying the right thing, looking in the eyes. So Yeah. Can you think of a time when that, when that really impacted you when, when your son said something that surprised you and that really helped you understand him better? It happens, it sort of happens quite often. I'm just sitting there going, wow, wow. I, did, I don't, a time doesn't come to mind with a car, but it, he said something the other day. So he's 15. He's got that typical sort of teenager stuff and things happen, he's grunt, grunt or whatever. And he said, do you know something lately? I've been a bit less grumpy. I've just noticed that I've been a bit less grumpy. And I go, whoa. And he had. But to, for him to notice that, because quite often, you know, if you say, you've been really grumpy, you know, you've just been a teenager, you go, oh, I'm not grumpy. Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. So for him to realise that, I was like, wow. So yeah. This is a teenager thinking like an adult. It's like, it's, it's, I love that sort of stuff. And you were able to pause enough to recognize that as well, which is yeah. something is something to uh, consider because those moments to pause and choose to recognize when your child actually just said something brilliant, that's a skill. That's not something that many times we have our thoughts moving so fast. We're thinking about the next sentence, the next important thing, or might we might follow up with, oh yeah, you've been such a grumpy, grumpy kid. It's really unique and important when parents understand the importance of that space, kind of like honoring that space when they do open up and say something. Yeah, that is, it's the skill of listening, really listening, not just hearing, but listening. So listening to what they're saying, but their mood and with how their body is and really listening. What are they saying here? And sometimes we as humans, I think, are quite quick to the when someone finishes, we need to fill that space of of talk or agreeing, disagreeing, rather than stopping and just sort of going, hmm, that's interesting. Sometimes that might be a, a thing to just to to say, well, let me just think about that, or wow, I hadn't I hadn't thought like that before. Hmm, give me a minute to think about that. Sometimes that might be a great thing to do. Yes. And as our kids get older, we know that they are forming their own thoughts and their own opinions about the matters that are out there in the world. And many times they're testing us when they say little things. They say little things to, that we might or might not agree with, a, that might, a little bit might ruffle your feathers. And I find that kids are testing them to see how much can I tell this parent? Is it safe to tell them everything that's rolling through my mind? That's a really important part of connecting with kids. Do you have any knowledge about that or experiences you've had with that? Where that's it, it, It's funny. I don't know if this is relate, relating to what you're saying, but I'm reminded of when I talk to my dad sometimes. And, you know, uh, my dad's one of the smartest people I know. He's just so clever and the way he thinks and words things and listens to me. And quite often I say to him, you know, Dad, I think this such and such is better than this or this is, should happen. And he sort of listens and goes, hmm, 
Maybe. Maybe. And then it's not yes or no, it's maybe. Well, it is maybe because I'm possibly right or possibly wrong or possibly there's a combination of what I'm saying, but that maybe. And I'm like going, now I'm starting to think again. Ah. It's just it's just really odd. That sort of maybe, it's a, for me, is a great, and I use that sometimes with kids, you know, in school, and they say to me, oh, you know, I think this is, oh, maybe. And makes them think, makes them think yeah. deeper yeah. about it, right? Like, Absolutely. You know, yeah, and, and it would be a lot easier to be like, oh, well, let's debate this right now. But rather than that, let's put it right back on you and have you think about it a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. That is brilliant. Your dad is, I'm going to have to steal that, all right? <laughs> yeah, anyone can steal it. It's fantastic. Let's all steal it. That's important. Maybe. And then just kind yeah. of wait, pause. Yeah, and isn't that, isn't that that pause and that wait is such a great thing as a teacher? Uh, we're taught that to when a kid answers or uh, you, uh, you pose a question to a group of kids rather than go, right, there's the first hand up, just live that, give that space and let them, let them think about it. You know, we're very quick to sort of get onto that next thing. We've got to do what we've got to do rather than think, have that think time. It's really can be really powerful. Well, some kids really need that as well because they, um, they actually need that processing time and we might be thinking yep. much faster and we're thinking three steps ahead, but you just may have asked them something that they've never considered before. So Absolutely. give them some time to think that out and then they might come out with something brilliant and you're like, wow, look at what they just thought of. I find that to be so true, especially in these times when we are all walking through a journey that's brand new through basically all of 2020. We didn't know that this was going to be this kind of year, but um, I don't know as much in your part of the world as, as much as ours, but we still need to deal with the realities of how does our, how do things look with the coronavirus? Where is it at? How are we functioning with that? And here where I'm at, a lot of parents are getting ready to have conversations with their kids about going back to school. And I just had a parent ask me a question. I'm going to ask you this question. They said, what am I going to do about the anxiety that they feel about going places? Because they've been at home. I've been doing the grocery shopping. They've hardly gone anywhere. And now we're asking them to go back into a classroom and they've heard all of this about the fears. And she says, can I have some talking points? I don't know. How am I going to help them? What would you say would be some ideas of how you could calm that anxiety that we talk about? Yeah. So the, it reminds, there's a couple of things to, to think about for that. For me, I was talking to a parent and she had the same sort of worry with her daughter for her to set that up with the holidays. We've just had holidays here heading back to school. She took the family went away camping and her daughter who's about 13 loves reading books. So they were camping in a remote part of uh, Victoria um, and they decided just to go to some small towns. So the, the girl was worried about going in, back into the supermarket and back into school with all these people with, coronavirus so they went to small bookshops because she loves reading and just visited some small bookshops and slowly by surely but slowly she became more confident going oh it's okay to get out there so that was a little story for for thinking about that helping that kid by having an experience oh yeah i'm okay and the other side to it is to to ask the kid you know oh you know so you're feeling a bit anxious about that that's pretty normal to normalize that first yeah i would too and there's gonna be other kids like that so what small thing could we do that would help you maybe it is just going if the fear is going to school perhaps the kid might come up and say well maybe if we just went to the school gate on the weekend okay that could work is there anything else we could do um maybe we could walk around the school and like okay is there anything else we could do ask the kids they're, they're amazing with questions by prompting them and listening and hearing what they say, they'll quite often come up with a solution. Mm. Or as, as we talked about at the Solution Focused Conference, that miracle question, what would it look like ideally if you didn't have this worry? What would it look like at school? So they can imagine themselves, I'll be at school, they might say, I'm with all my friends, I'm just doing my work, I'm do it's just all normal. Okay, so perhaps if it, that was the ideal, what could be a small thing you could do? So just sort of talk to them and listen and they'll probably come up with a solution, a bit of prompting here and there and listening. You yeah. know, they'll, they'll come up there. They're amazing. Kids are amazing. They've done, thing, they've done hard things before. 
So we need to believe that they've, they've had firsts. This is kind of like a first of sorts going back to school and it looks different. They maybe have to wear a mask now or whatever, wherever we are, whatever rules they had decided is important as we head back into education, it'll be different. But they've had firsts before and then that what you're saying will help them be able to recollect that. And a uh, thing I noticed too is quite often as parents, if I look at my kids and think, geez, they're really anxious. If I look at myself, quite often the anxiety is coming from me. Wow, I would say. Parents, it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So for, as, as a parent, if you're thinking you're reporting that your kid's anxious and you can look at yourself and say, yeah, do you think that I'm feeling anxious too? Mm-hmm. perhaps it might be a great opportunity to have that conversation with the kids. Say, hey, you know, I am too. I get it. I'm anxious for you. So we're in this journey together. What can we do together? Because, you know, I'm worried about this. You see some parents are so laid back and relaxed about whatever. And you look at the kids and go, mm-hmm. as, the, as we say as teachers, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Sometimes, you know, you look at some kids and they're just mirroring what's happening at home with their parents. Yeah. And I think that would be a really important step for parents to take a minute and evaluate their level of anxiety. And they might be doing that completely unbeknownst to them, you know, just by a little words they're saying or little things they're doing different and their child knows them so well that they're picking up on that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as, as, as parents, we think we have to have it all right all the time. Oh no, I need to be strong. I need to be, I can't be anxious. I've got to be confident and resilient. You know, sometimes we're not. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be that way. And I think by having those conversations with kids saying, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous too, or I'm worried, kids can go, hey, guess what? It's normal to be anxious. Yeah. It's normal to be worried. It's right. normal to be nervous. My mum and dad are nervous and worried and anxious. Oh, I'm just normal. So rather than taking this as like, I'm wrong, oh, I'm n- normal. I'm a bit anxious today. Tomorrow I might not be anxious because my mum's anxious today and tomorrow she's not that child might feel comfortable enough to share. Yeah, I'm nervous and I had a bad dream yesterday and they, that might be unlocking what they need to continue to connect, right? Absolutely. Yep, sure. Another thing that you, I just was enamored by is the way that you tell stories. I love telling stories. I think it's great. I think it is so powerful. And in my entire career of counseling, I might just go in and sit down and tell a child a story. And then talk to them about what they're doing for five minutes, you know? And oh, I love it. Uh, it's, it's because sometimes that's what they need. Lately, I've been doing a lot of research on the power of stories. And that is a lot of the things that you also deal with as well, right? With it, it, one of the aspects of uh, what you believe in is the power of storytelling. I do. It's great. So the first thing about, for me, for stories, I love it when people tell stories. I just go into this dream of, oh, I can, I, I get that person. They're telling, they're giving me themselves. They're giving themselves away and you just get this connection. And it's a lovely way to be with someone. You know, I think all of us love going out to friends' places on the weekend and catching up for coffee or whatever it is and just telling stories about what they've done and what we've done and where we've been. We all love that. And it's a great way to connect. We, we just love to do it as, as, as humans, I think. And for me, telling a story to get the kids connected with my, my kids at home. I tell them stories about things that happen at work and the funny things that the kids do. And they're hilarious some things. The, my kids at home love it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm talking to the kids at school and we're talking about a math problem or something in reading, the first thing I look at is the activity I've planned and I go right on the moment, I think, how can I get something out of this? We're doing a maths activity. Oh, it's on fractions. Right. Boom, I'm onto my pizza oven. I build a pizza oven. I'll show on the screen my pizza oven I built and I talk about last weekend and I dropped the pizza on the floor and the dog ate it. I couldn't believe it and the dog loved it. And it's so funny and it was raw and then, oh, I couldn't believe it. The next pizza was burnt and all the stories go in the neck. When I cut up, I cut into eights. They weren't quarters because one, sorry, they weren't eights because one eighth was massive and one was this tiny skinny one. And you know my son, Monty? He is so greedy. He went for the big bit because it had all the salami on it. That's typical. So I'm connecting them. And then we're talking about eighths. So all of a sudden, it wasn't an eighth because it was so big. You know, that's my sort of story and the way I connect them into the lesson. So, right. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they're sitting up and listening, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They are. They love it. I remember my little brother. He used to say, his teacher used to love reading books to him. 
and him and his friends, this is when he was younger, he used to say, we just told him to read more. We love the story because then we did, he didn't have to do any work and he used to go on for ages. So. You're like, ah, oh, we're on to you. We're yeah, on to yeah. you. We need to do a little bit of learning too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's at least, I'd probably say to him, you know what? Let's just do at least a little learning, okay? You know, and then I'll tell you yeah. another story. <laughs> They're yeah, like, but, okay. <laughs> and isn't it funny when you say that, do some learning in the story? Because I was thinking about in, in Australia, our Indigenous Australians, the Aboriginal Australians, they learnt through story. Mm. And that was their learning. They didn't sit down in classrooms like we do. They, they just tell stories about their ancestors and the, the dreaming and um, that, that was their learning. Yeah. And now we're different now, aren't we? Well, I don't really know if people know how to tell a story in the first place. You know, ad- adults and kids alike, it's been some time since uh, we've been in the techno- tech- technology and watching TV shows, and it's just kind of been given to us. So we have, you know, many times we haven't practiced telling stories. So just choosing to open your mouth and share a story with your kids, what better time to practice? It's great. Yeah. It's a big difference. It's great. And it, it's not just fun for the kids. It's fun for me. So here I'm at work, loving my job, loving being with the kids. And they're getting me. And they, they know that I'm passionate about what I do. So they're not going, oh, here we go. And I'm bored. You know, they, they're getting the energy in the room. The, mm-hmm. the, they feel it. And then when you ask them to do something, they're going, yeah, let's do it. It's great. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. It's like you have buy-in automatically, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm remembering, you're, you're conjuring up a memory that I have of a high school math class. And I will admit that this was the second time I took this math class. I was so lovely and wonderful at math that I got to take it twice, you know? And, <laughs> <laughs> and this second time around, I still was struggling. And one day, I remember he just got out the book, um, Alexander and the No Good, Very Bad, Horrible Day, I think it's called. And are you familiar with that book by any chance? Yes. Yeah, he just sat there and read to his high school math class that entire book and you could hear a pin drop. And I remember that moment more than anything that he did. And years later, I was count. I got transferred to an elementary school and I was counseling and uh, uh, the special education teacher and I were in the same workshop. And she says, I have a memory I want to share. She said, I was in a math class and my teacher read this book and she mentioned the no good very good we were both in that same math class listening to that same story because she was an aide in that class so i went to her i'm like tell me what high school did you go to and what out of all the things that she was going to share we could have shared anything that made such an impact on her and if that isn't something i don't that just came to my mind but it was it's just it's not only a ironic coincidence but it also speaks so much to the power of telling stories even to our older kids it sure does it's amazing when i've got 12 year old kids and i get a picture storybook out and say come and sit on the floor they're looking like five-year-olds just looking mesmerized they're mesmerized by it they love it and mm. for me those memories they're the things that we remember we don't remember that math class or learning this or that fractions we don't remember that we remember the stories the connections the relationships we build with people and there's a really well-known Australian writer who's written adolescent fiction. And he, in Australia, he opened a school uh, for kids who would just learn a bit differently. And he, he said, he wrote a book, and one of these things he said, don't choose your subject, choose your teacher. So for me, it's like, wow, whatever it is, if you connect with that teacher, just go with the teacher. That's what you're going to get. And that might be driving your career. Mm-hmm. wherever that is so we look at our friends we don't choose our friends because of some resume or they're going to get us somewhere we just choose our friends because we just we do we just connect it's like i like that person i don't know why but i like them you want to spend time with them so that was a great thing choose your teacher not your subject yeah and i'm just thinking about parents i just love that we're able to remind parents to take a minute and Think about that aspect of connecting. Think about that aspect of telling a story. Eventually, as they grow older, they are going to choose whether they want to spend time with you. As they become an adult, whether they want to call and talk to you or not is completely up to them. So it's so important that we think about that when they're young to say, what can I do to build this strong connection? Sure, sure. And and it can be telling stories. It just 
about what happened at work today. You know, some delivery guy did something, someone spilt something, just some funny things. You got a weird phone call, you know, just because those things happen to us all the time. And how do you remember you know, them though? If, how do you remember them in order to tell them later? I don't know. You just like, you know, oh, this funny thing happened to me today. Well, as soon as someone starts saying that and someone, you know, I don't know about you, but if someone starts talking, like when you're talking about a story, I'm listening to your story, but I'm also going, oh, that reminds me of this. I want to share this. And we get this thing going and, and all of a sudden you can't get in. I can't, I can't, uh, 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 yeah. my turn to talk, you know, and everyone's just away we go. So it's, it's kind of a great sort of thing when we're just all fighting to talk and everyone's yeah. yelling out. You know, I'm thinking this is a really good strategy for parents that have kids that um, live in two households, you know, parents that are divorced and that type of thing. Because um, sometimes when I address a child that has two homes they live in, it's very common that they have 50-50 custody. And it takes them a minute to adjust to that other home. Both homes are very different. It messes with their mind. And kids become very quiet. And I'm thinking that this is a really great strategy parents can use to break the ice with their kid, to bring them back to uh, connection um, when they haven't seen them for a while because of those situations. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Rather than giving them the iPad and playing a game or watching telly, you know, tell them something. Give, give a bit of you, you to them. Or, you know, maybe even just get a deck of cards out and play a game or sometimes even creating that space of being there doing a jigsaw puzzle and not talking, but there's that space, you know, do you ever do jigsaw puzzles? <laughs> Myself? I avoid them at all costs, but there you go. if so, I had to, I would do one. <laughs> yeah. So it's just what, what, but whatever it is for you that you love yeah, doing, you know, whether right. it's knitting or drawing or exactly. making just Lego, whatever it is to sit down, you know, to sometimes just stop. And I know for me, when, when my kids were younger and I did that sort of stuff, I was like, Oh, this is great. I'm not thinking about that list of things I've got to do about all the things that I'm behind on. It's like, I'm just building the Lego. This is cool. Yeah. Keep it more authentic rather than the stress of, uh, I don't know. I find that some parents in those situations, like I just talked about, um, they have the stress of making it all happen right then because their time with their child is short. Um, yeah. But when you just breathe and let these things happen organically, then the child will also not, you know, they'll be able to also listen. And I really like the idea of them just sharing a story about what happened in their day or anything that just breaks the ice that way, you know, rather than yeah. telling them what's going on in your life, what's going on in your life, that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, how, how would it be if you had someone in that situation to tell a story about when a good story about when mum and dad were connected and that mum and dad, when they, you know, before they separated, you know, we went on this camping trip and we did this and that, how powerful would that be? Because yeah. there's stories, there's stories when people have split, they've decided we're going a different way now. But how powerful would it be for an adult to be able to tell a positive story about their now ex-partner about mm-hmm. something that they did that was memorable? Oh, it can make a world of difference. You are so right on with that because they are trying to find a way to live in both worlds. So what better way for them to have a memory to cling to, of even if it's a silly time that one of them burnt a casserole or burnt their dinner, you know, it doesn't even matter. Just something that they can share, you know, that can build a connection between those two spaces in that little child that's trying to figure that out, you know? Yeah, And can you imagine that little child then going back to the other parent going, oh, you know, my other parent told me the story about remember that time when you were there and you know like hearing something positive from a parent who might not be in a positive space mm-hmm. to go to the other parent that could build that relationship to not worry about making them wrong but about oh yeah you know okay we're not getting getting along now but we did get along for a while before yeah you know, and it can really make a difference to everyone i really think so because families are when, when people uh, decide to leave a marriage, they're not leaving their family. And that's such an important thing that I work on personally when I work with those kids that are in those situations is I remind the parents that in their world, this is still their family. Both of these homes, both of these people, you guys are still a unit. You just decided that the relationship was not going to be what's happening. And 
So that's so powerful to be uh, able to do that, you know, just to be able to say, we're going to share these things and, and build connections. It's just going to be in a different type of way. It's, it's an opportunity. You know, there's some challenges, but from that, what well, could be some great opportunities. I just see lots of ways that parents can choose to uh, either tell a story or some of the things that we, list, we talked about earlier, you know, take that car ride, listen, take a minute to really take in the things that they're doing that could help parents right now connect. And that's really the most important thing. I don't know. Why did you even get so passionate about connecting in the first place? Like, what was it that just made you say, you know what, this is, this is what I'm going to really focus on. Well, being, being a bit selfish, it was about me and my connection with my family, noticing that I was spending more time on devices. And right. Like you said. Yeah. yeah. And like I hear I'm saying all this stuff, like, you know, we need to be more connected, but I wasn't. So how can I shake up my world and change it? What can I do? I, I, I feel this natural for me, wanting to help others, to make a difference, to make an impact uh, and, you know, to help parents, you know, and teachers as well to be a better person, to help other, other kids, help just to be, to be useful to society. Yeah. Well, how did you make that bridge then? Because now you're moving into speaking at like the conferences and, and writing and all that kind of thing. I mean, you could have easily kept this stuff to yourself and just had a much better connection with your family. I mean, how did that all come about and how did you do that? I don't know. It's, it's interesting because um, I'm able to now, this is totally doesn't make sense because I'm, I was able to write a book. I'm now writing another book called Connecting With Your Teen. I'm also teaching and I'm doing workshops and webinars and conferences, yet I'm spending more time with, with my kids. Now, how does that work? It doesn't make sense, but that's what's happening. I think by it's all very well for me to say, oh, connecting with your kids and have my head stuck in the, lap the laptop. And when my kids say, you know, you're actually not. When I started writing, writing and uh, doing this, my kids used to come to me and say, hey, Dad, do you want to play a game? Something. Go, oh, I'm just be 10 minutes ago. Uh, is your book called Connecting With Your Kids, Dad? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you got me. Shut the laptop. And it was good. And, you know, like to, I'm writing a book and since COVID's come on, I've been online with my students and I'm just at the end of the day thinking, I'm not be, I can't be bothered writing the book. I don't want to be on a screen. So I'm not, I've, I'm not, I haven't written anything for a month. It doesn't matter. It'll get done when it gets done. Yes. So that can be done tomorrow. But playing that game of cards, going for the walk with the kids, now's the opportunity. When they say now, it's now. Yeah. Because if they say, do you want to kick the footy with me, Dad? And I'll say it'll be 10 minutes. 10 minutes later, I go, let's cook, kick the footy. They've gone. They've gone off their bike to their mate's place. They're down to the beach. They're reading a book. The opportunity is lost. It has to be now. And not only is the opportunity lost, their internal voice says, oh, he didn't care. That's, yeah. that's that little voice that says that, and that wasn't your intention of all, but guess what? That's what they walk away with. So it's, it's important on many levels to be able to be aware of that pause and that saying, you know what, what's important in life here? And that is really interesting, though, the way that you brought up how uh, just the smallest little thing you could have thought, you would have thought, oh, if I do all of that, you know, like say your previous self you probably would have said, oh my gosh, if I'm writing it, I'll never have time for any of that. I can't write a book, let alone a second book. I don't have time. And on the other side, you actually do have plenty of time to walk forward, you know, and do the things that you're called to do. I do. I do. And I, I, get, up, I get up every morning at five o'clock and ride, ride my bike, like I was saying earlier. And before I go and ride my bike, I turn the oven on. So I get home and I start baking bread for, you know, and I, I, I get... I have a bit less sleep. I don't know how it works. It's, it's kind of the more energy and the more things, because it, maybe it's because I'm so passionate about it, but when I put that time and effort in, I seem to get more time and more energy. It yeah. doesn't make sense. You know, like it doesn't make sense for me to get up in the morning at five o'clock and ride my bike for an hour and put that energy in and then be energetic when I go to work. It would make more sense to get up at eight in the morning have X, three hours extra sleep and then get to work, it would make more sense to be more energetic because I've had more sleep, but it doesn't seem to work that way. It doesn't work that way. No. And that's a really important thing that 
uh, I think I've learned as well is I've had that same phenomenon happen on my end where as I walk forward into certain endeavors that I'm passionate about, I do find I have more time. And it might be partly because our mindset is in the right place. You know, it might be that when our mind is in the right place of wanting to be able to fit in that exercise of wanting to fit in that time with our kids and being passionate about what we're doing, it all just seems to fall in place. <laughs> like, how did we do all of that? <laughs> it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it works. Yeah, it works. It totally yeah. works. Funny. Yeah. And, uh, and you have to be creative sometimes. There's no doubt you have to be creative and you have to kind of look at the calendar and, and make it happen. But yeah, just saying, you know what? It's going to work. So let's just move forward and do it. Let's just make it yeah. happen. Sure. And, and sometimes it's going to work, but it's not going to work now. It'll work later. It did. Just because I set a deadline for this date, maybe it's going to be a bit later. That's okay. Yeah, that's so interesting how you can ponder a previous version of yourself and think, wow, I mean, you don't even recognize that person anymore that was uh, spending too much time on your computer and stuff, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird. But our kids go through those exact same things. Our kids are morphing into the person that they're meant to be. We sometimes need to give them the space to also have these revelations that we're having as adults. I mean, we're lifelong learners, but they need to come to those, some of those same conclusions and understand that they do have time for everything. And I, I wanted to touch on, before we wrap things up here, what you said about allowing your child for them to be the expert, that they have a lot within them to give and you don't need to always be the expert. And, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what I got out of what you were saying. What do you what what do you think about that concept of allowing your child to really bloom into the person that they are before in front of you? Yeah, it's if you for me, if you believe in them, if you you can solve this problem, you I I know you have the, the ability to solve that problem, they kind of go, Oh, this person believes in me. So yeah, maybe I can solve that. So quite often kids will come to me at school and say, Hey, Andy, I can't solve this. I don't know how to work this thing out. So, Oh, that's interesting. What do you think you might do? Oh, that's interesting. Is there anything else you could do? Who else could you ask? What else could you do? You know, kids will come to me and say, how do I spell this word? Oh, they used to. And I just roll my eyes. At you. Like you've got an iPad and you're asking me that, you know, but problems that, that they, by me believing in them, that they have the ability to solve that, it kind of, they kind of then start to believe in themselves. So obviously there's different times when you need to chip in and coach them more than, than and sometimes there's less. But, you know, sometimes that belief in them, you having that belief in them, which I actually truly do, it's not made up, uh, that they sort of go, oh, I can solve it. And all of a sudden they can solve the next problem and maybe the next problem, you know. Yeah. And sometimes they might not have the belief if so, you might talk about something that they can do really well. So let's say a kid's really good at riding a bike. So actually, I'll tell you once with stories. Two days ago, I was teaching the kid. We have in what's in Australia called bike ed. You teach kids how to ride bikes. So I was helping another great act. So teacher short and I'm bike ed trained. So I'm teaching these kids how to brake and stop and get on their bikes and check their tyres. And I looked around. One kid, he's 10 years old, he's drive, riding up the hill on one wheel, all what? up the hill. And I'm going, I'm teaching this kid how to ride a bike. He can teach me. So, so we're talking about, right, so going back to what I was saying, if a kid's sort of going, I don't know how to solve this problem with an issue I'm having with a friend in the yard, I don't know what to do, I'm stuck. So sometimes to bring them back and say, well, what do you like to do? Oh, I love riding my bike on the weekends. I go to the mountain bike track and I do jumps and, you know, I'm really, really good at that sort of stuff. And, and then you might sort of connect them as well. Well, how did you learn all that stuff? What happens when you fall off? What about when your chain comes off your bike? How did you solve that? You know, they might share about how they learned that skill and, you know, they watched a video or friend helped them or they asked someone or, and then so you can then possibly connect them. So with your bike riding skill, you didn't know anything about how to ride a bike a few years ago. And now you're an expert. And now you can help others and you, you can fix chains and replace tires and lots of stuff. 
how could you apply what you know bike riding to this issue you're having with a friend in the yard? Is there any little thing that you could do or bring from your bike riding skill to this challenge you're having? And if you let them ponder with it a bit, they might sometimes go, oh, maybe if I did this or maybe if I did that. And they can quite often come up with their own solution. You go, yeah, we'll give it a go. Mm-hmm. Now, if that little thing doesn't work, what else could you try? Right. Yeah. And is there something, and quite often they'll come up with their solutions. They're amazing. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm sitting there going, I'm way older than you. I would never have come up with a, great, a solution as good as you because they're them mm-hmm. and I'm me and I've yeah. got solutions that work for me, but they won't work for them. So yes. why would I be telling them, you should do this, this, and this? Because they're going, you're 53, you're an adult. That doesn't work for me. It's so you know? true. They're 12. They've got their experiences. And when so. I've had those moments, I'm being extremely genuine as well. They, I'm not just saying, wow, you did a great... I'm really thinking, wow, they came up with that. I need to write that down. It's, so, yeah. it's a great thing. And they get it. When you're like that saying, when you truly are like, I, I can't believe that solution, they get it. They also get when you go, yeah, great idea. I really believe in you. They get it that you're not being genuine. They yes. get it. Uh-huh. They're human beings. They get that stuff. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of times as a parent, what I do, because I have my youngest is, uh, is 12. And because she is the youngest and was brought up with older ones, I think she's more like 16 most of the time, you know, <laughs> those younger ones. And I'll bring up things she told me in conversation when she's in in view of listening to me and I know that she can hear me. So I'll tell maybe her other sister, Oh, it's like what Bella told me the other day. She gave me such a great idea, you know, and you can kind of sense that she straightens her little back and yeah, I gave mom that idea. So powerful in the classroom too. It's so powerful. You know, when you go, you share the whole grade, Hey, Will came up with this great idea. Here's what he suggested. Bah, 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 bah. And Will's pumping up his That's chest right. and, everyone's going, and everyone else going, Hey, Will, he's a smart dude. Yeah, you look know, at him go. It's, yeah, It's great for everyone. Yeah. yeah. There's so much to learn about all the many ways that we can reach out and connect with our kids and connect with our families. And I think the most important thing is that we just begin to care about that. You know, we begin sure. to be aware of these things. And then all of these tools that we've talked about will kind of fall in place one little step at a time, like we talked about at the beginning. Could you share with us where we can find you, where my listeners might be able to get your books or your book, future book? Sure. So uh, if you go onto my website, andymcneely.com.au, you can buy the book there. You can also get the book for free almost if you, I blog the book. So I blog different chapters on the website. So if you can't, if you don't know how to spell my name, uh, if you just go to Connecting With Your Kids, Andy McNeely, something like that will come up. You can also go onto Facebook and follow me with Connecting With Your Kids. There I blog, I post most of the book anyway. So I post about twice a week a quote or an activity to do or a challenge or a little story. So the book's sort of on there. It's a, probably a great way to try before you buy. I mean, you might might sort of follow what I'm doing and go, no, it's not for me, which is cool. That's fine. But they might sort of look at it and go, yeah, that might be handy for me. I might give that a go. So if you're sort of not sure, just go to my website or to um, Facebook on connecting with your kids and just follow me and see what, see if it works for you because it's, it's not going to work for everyone, but it might just be the right thing for you. Yeah, you can I'll, contact gonna... me and find out about what I'm up to with webinars and seminars and that's the stuff on the website too. Absolutely. Well, hopefully online as well, since we're across the, across the world, you can do some things online. We can connect that way. Us folks over here in the United States want to glean from everything you're doing. It's wonderful. It's, it's such, for me, I've been a bit hesitant to go online because I think there's nothing like being in the space with a human being. There's something that's different, but with what's going on with COVID, I think it's actually opened my eyes to go, you know, okay, it might not be perfect. It might not be exactly how I want to do it, but you know what? I can still help people. I can still make a difference. I can still connect. And if I'm helping people, what does it matter? We so much love the energy of face-to-face 
but interactions that we've had at the uh, conference that we were both in and then even now uh, will be equally as meaningful in our own life because we'll use those things that the, these experiences sure. that will shape uh, what we do next. So whether we, uh, many people are still having to connect in the most of their education online and don't be scared of it. Just embrace it. Kids can learn. We can learn. We can grow, whether it be in a virtual space or whether it be face to face. Sure. Absolutely. It's the what, okay, it's bad, but what's the opportunity that comes out of it? Like anything, what opportunities is, um, can come from this. It's, it's, it's great. That's why we're doing this. You know, we are all in this together. Parenting is a journey. We are all in this together. And the best thing that we can do is be able to utilize uh, things like this, tools to be able to help us just have that one step closer to being um, the best version of ourselves. So I really thank you for that. A pleasure. And for, for me, what really rings true is a quote that Princess Diana said, family is the best thing in the world. And I believe it. I totally believe it. That is, there's, for me, there's nothing better in my life that I will have done than having kids and being part of family. There's nothing better. I've yeah. done some great things. I've been some great places. I've eaten some amazing food, but there's nothing better than my family and being part of a family. It's just fantastic. What a great thing we can do as human beings. That's a perfect way to to end our segment. And I know that we're going to digest everything that we have, we've been able to hear. And sometimes in podcasts, you know, you put your headphones in, you're doing your exercising and you listen to it once. And there's so much great stuff that you're like, I got to revisit this one. I think that's going to be this kind of podcast. <laughs> that's what I think it oh, is going to be. <laughs> Might even have to make another one one day. Yes. When you have uh, your next book, I'm definitely going to be hitting you up. Um, like I said, I have a 12 year old, so, you know, I know you're trying to chill, but hurry up. And my kid's almost, uh, all right, all right. <laughs> when, when, when are they 13? She's turning 13 in April. So we have right. some time. That's six months, six right. months, six good I'll get months, it done. right? Fantastic. <laughs> I'll put a little fire under you. Right. All right. That's going. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us today and enjoy your afternoon. Thank you so much. Oh, look, it's, it's been a pleasure and I really feel honored and humbled that you've invited me on. So thank you so much. You're welcome. What a great conversation with Andy McNeely, the author of Connecting With Your Kids. And this comes to the end of a broadcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed this time for us to revisit the insight that we find from Australia on the same subject that we talk so often about, right? How to be solution-focused families. And I want to draw your attention once again to the show notes. I will be leaving the links, not only where you can find Andy, but also how you can join the Focused Mindset community. You're never alone with the Focused Mindset, and I'd love to have you. And I have some wonderful giveaways that I'm offering in the next month that'll help you guys grow, help you guys have great vibes going into this new season that we're walking into. The holiday season is busy, and we need things that will help us focus. So go to thefocusedmindset.com slash join the community. And there you're going to be able to join and get all of the free resources that I offer. So let's head out there and connect with our family. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.